Today's quote comes from Rachel Carson in her book, The Sense of Wonder. If a child is to keep alive his inborn sense of wonder, he needs the companionship of at least one adult who can share it, rediscovering with him the joy, excitement, and mystery of the world we live in. Hey y'all, I'm Paul Sievers, interpreter with Great Parks of Hamilton County, and you are listening to Take It Outdoors, a podcast where you can enjoy the outdoors from the indoors. Summer is here. It was a chilly, wet spring, but summer is now upon us and nature is beckoning. You might already be tired of the child's age-old monologue consisting of the phrases, I'm bored and there's nothing to do. Or you might be tired of the new adult monologue consisting of the phrase, stop looking at that screen. So today we are here to give some tips on how to prevent all three of those phrases with ideas on what to do with your kids outside. All that is needed is you, your kids, in the out of doors. To give us some ideas, we are joined in studio by Great Park's own Julie Robinson, East Region Education Manager. Then we will take it outdoors with Tom Hughes to go exploring in nature and try out some of the activities that we discuss. Julie, thank you for joining us on Take It Outdoors. Hey, thanks for having me today. All right, so just to set the stage that you are, in fact, an expert in rearing children in nature, how many kids do you have and how old are they? I don't know if I would go with expert, but I have five children. I have triplets that are 13 years old, and then I have twins that are nine years old. I mean, personally, you know, I have two kids. I, I mean, to think to have triplets and twins, that, that puts you in the expert category. Just say it. Puts me in survival <laughs> mode. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want, you know, asked you on because I want to discuss just all of the different things that we can do with our kids outside. So a lot of these things are pretty simple. They don't require a lot. They might not even require you going anywhere except outside. Um, But before we really get into these, I just, I kind of want to see, you know, what your kind of philosophy is when you're outside with your kids. So basically when you are out in nature, how much do you really direct their play? Do you let them kind of run the show or if your plan was to do one thing and they want to do something else, do you just kind of go with the flow? I would say I kind of go with the flow. You know, I've noticed my kids are a little bit older now. And when they were younger, I felt like I I kind of had to teach them more. So we would go outside and always crack me up because I'm like, go outside and play. And they're like, well, what do I do? And I'm like, just go find some rocks to pick up or, you know, take some sticks and throw them at the tree, you know, climb up the tree and walk across the log. And so I had to encourage them a lot more and even go, you know, go out there with them, be out there with them and show them and not necessarily hold their hand while they do it all, but really kind of help them look at the ways that they can just be outside and what things can be fun. Now that they're a little bit older, I feel like they, they do a lot more exploring on their own. And part of that was me helping teach them how to do that in the beginning. Would you say you, essentially you kind of gave them the tools, hey, here's kind of how we do things, and then you kind of let them run I from would, there? Yeah, now that, wouldn't you say it like that? Yes, I would say that that's exactly how it was. At the beginning, gave them the tools, showed them what to do, showed them how to use a bug box, how to make a bug box, a simple one out of a yogurt container up to now they've asked for nicer ones that they get for their birthday. That's great. Yeah, I, you know, with my kids... I mean, we'll just play in our own yard. And the big thing that she wants to do right now is just look for bugs. You know, she wants me to pick up all the pots and she they 
just love looking for bugs. Yesterday, she found three lightning bugs before the sun even went down. You know, she's always just looking. It's it's amazing to kind of watch them, just how they, like you said, they're just running all over the place. Like, they're just, they're amazed at that. And that's one of the reasons I picked that quote at the beginning is because they, they have that, and it's that sense of wonder. She calls it the inborn sense of wonder, and we need to make sure that that doesn't disappear. It doesn't disappear, yeah. And it's... You know, I felt I finally had that aha moment not too long ago because we sat outside and just played our our board games, our family night on the back porch outside because it was a nice night. And when your 13-year-old son says, stop, look up, look at look at all the lightning bugs that are out there right now. And when the whole family stops and listens and looks, it's just, it's kind of, one, it's awe-inspiring because it's beautiful, but two, there's that, you know, that little knot in your in your heart that just says, oh, I did something right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some of these activities that you can do with your kids. And I want to start by saying, you know, most of these you can really just do in your own yard. You don't really even have to go anywhere. So if there's a time where they say, I'm bored, these are some easy things you can just pick up and say, well, let's go outside and let's do this. And I would agree. And I just want to jump in and say that, and it really doesn't matter what your yard is. Your yard can be, you know, five by seven. It can be, you know, five acres, a small yard. You're going to find just nature is everywhere. So you're just having them in the fresh air and outside. You're going to find that ant crawling across the sidewalk or, or something. So, so nature is everywhere. So I wouldn't be concerned about your yard in particular. Um, Just think about how you can use it. The first thing that I thought of, and because this was one of my favorite things that I did as a child, um, and it's something that my kids both love to do as well, and we just talked about this a lot in the last podcast, um, but catching lightning bugs. Yes, I don't, I don't know of any kid that doesn't like to catch lightning bugs, and if they are afraid after they've caught one and realize how innocent and unharmful they are, it just just makes it that much better, so and they'll go for it. So I think the best thing about catching lightning bugs, again, is that you can do it with your own two hands, or you can make it a fun project prior to going out. You can get a pickle jar, you can get the butter container, the yogurt container, and just something to put them in. One thing I've noticed with children is they don't always like to hold things in their hands. So even if it doesn't have a lid, if you just put an insect or a lightning bug in the container that it might climb out of or fly out of, they're still more comfortable holding the the container. But they got to have the experience, and that's really what you're you're shooting for anyway. And also, just a, a side note: if you do decide to keep them overnight, um, I would put a like soak a cotton ball in water and put that in the jar as well. They that humidity is pretty important for them. Going along that same vein with bugs, lifting logs. Oh, lifting logs is by far my most, my per, that's my personal favorite. And that's the one that I have done the most with my children. And now I love it because they're like, ooh, there's a log. But turn over a log or a rock, anything that's been sitting on top of soil or something that might have a little bit of dampness underneath and again, the things that you can find. And you don't have to know what everything is, but just that experience of seeing how many different things can live underneath there. So you're going to find millipedes, you're going to find centipedes, pill bugs, roly polies, whatever you want to call them. Those are quite popular. And again, these are all things that you can pick up and hold in your hand, uh, or you can put them in that container again, let the child look at it, 
so they're not having hands on and then and then release it. I would suggest that when you roll over, once you give them the, you know, teach them a little bit, show, hey, this is the best way to roll the log over so they don't squish their toes and they have a positive experience. But also make sure that you you talk to them about how it is ideal to put things back. If you can roll that ba- that log back, it is somebody's home, somebody's living under there. It is a, a place that we want to make sure gets returned properly. And then those critters that you pulled out from underneath there, uh, it's always better to dump them out on the side of the log than under the log and then roll it back over. Actually, it's good advice. Put them on the side and not under it and then roll them over. I'm sure many a, a bug has been, been yeah, met its demise. Under good intentions. <laughs> Yeah, and and like, salamanders too. Yeah, because that is that's my personal favorite. If you maybe that depends on your backyard, but you might be able to find even salamanders under there. And again, harmless little creatures, but uh, very exciting to find. So this this next one was an idea that um, another one of the interpreters gave me that I thought was kind of fun. I don't know if you've ever done this, um, but she talked about that with her kids they would gather different leaves and nuts. And this is something you could, you know, do in the fall when there might be more leaves and nuts on the ground, but there's certainly plenty to find now. Um, and they took it home and they made like a wreath with it or some other type of any kind of craft that you can just put together that stuff with. I, I don't know if you've ever tried that. I never have. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind, there's a book called Leaf Man. I don't know who the author is off the top of my head, but you could probably get it at your local library or look it up online. Uh, it's all about a man that is made out of leaves. And really what, what it's teaching you is that you can take the leaves that you collect and glue them to a piece of paper in all kinds of shapes. And we've done that with our kids throughout the years where we've collected leaves. We've even done that in day camps and at programs at the park as well, where we just have kids collect any leaf that's out there. And as they place them on the paper, they can make shapes out of them. One thing that we like to do in our family is my husband is a, is into photography so we're always looking at pictures of of the family, and we have matte board. You could use any type of thicker piece of paper, but you just cut out a frame, and then the kids can gr- glue the leaves, the nuts. Just use a hot glue gun is a little bit better than a glue stick, uh, depending on how heavy the items are. But you can glue those to the frame and then just stick any picture behind there, and it just the kids have made their own frame with things that they found in their backyard or wherever they visited and and it's just a fun little memory, and it's good enough to hang on the wall most of the time. Well, those can make great gifts, too. Yes, Instead of trying yes. to find some generic gift at a store. This next one is a little bit more involved, but it's something that I think once you do it, it can lead to a lot of really good times in your backyard, uh, and that's just planting native plants. And you can start that from, you know, actual plants from actual seeds. If you know other people that have native plants, I found that they're typically pretty open to giving you cuttings, you know, or if they have too much, they'll split them. And then, you know, they're typically more than willing to pass those off to you that you can put in your yard. But planting native plants would attract a whole lot of native bugs. And once you get bugs, you get other animals and other birds. And, you know, those native plants are a good place to start. I think that's what's important is once you realize for yourself and for the kids that, you know, weeds are, we a weed by definition is a plant that's growing where you don't want it. So if you want those plants there, whether you think they're uh, supposed to be there or not, if, if you want them there, they're not a weed. And that's, that's what's, 
supposed to be growing around here and should be growing around here and attracting the, the native wildlife that's around here. If you want your rose bushes, then whatever is growing up around those rose bushes might be, might be considered your weeds. But either way, by planting the native plants, you're going to get more of those insects that are around. Agreed. I also think planting gardens is a good idea. Planting anything. And you don't have to plant them in the ground. Plant them in the pots. Let the kids take care of them. Let them water them. Watch it grow from a seed. A lot of plants you can start in baggies in hanging on the window. Uh, with a wet paper towel inside so that they can see that seed start to grow and then when you transplant it. And to see that whole process, it's really impressive. So I, I, I always encourage native plants, but quite honestly, if you're going to plant plants in, in general and just to have the kids do that whole process and see that whole process from start to, to finish, uh, I, think, I think planting any type of flower or seed is an exciting adventure. You know, I remember even when I was in school, like in first grade, putting, you know, the the seed on the wet paper towel and watching it sprout and just how cool that is. And that's a great way. That's something the kids can enjoy, but that's also kind of a way that you can trick them into still kind of learning yeah. <laughs> even in the summertime. <laughs> Another way to kind of trick your kids into learning in the summer. Not that I'm about tricking children, but you understand my point. So citizen science projects are basically research that we as the public can join in to help the actual scientists who are studying, if that makes sense. So, you know, there's a lot of different projects there. You know, there's actually a citizen science lightning bug where you can just it's simple. You don't even have to be able to identify the lightning bugs. You just kind of sit in your backyard for a certain amount of time and you count how many flashes you see. And then you let the, the, the researchers know, you know, I saw 10 lightning bugs in, over the course of this time period. And others are more a ex, little bit more extensive, like on the computer where you're actually searching for exoplanets, I think, through, I mean, NASA, and they have just millions upon millions of photos and they don't have the time to do it. So they crowdsourced it essentially and said, hey, we'll let everybody else look for them. And so there's just a lot of ways that you can really get your kids involved in something more specific. If you know, if you're not a person that just says, hey, let's go in the backyard and let's just find what we find. If you want a more directed time in your yard, you know, I I suggest citizen science. Just Google them and you'll find a ton of them. There's too many that I, I can't list them all here. Yeah, I think one popular one that many people have heard of are like the monarch butterfly tagging. So there are a lot of places that have events or have things going on. But even that citizen science project, you can order the tags into your house. So they will come in the mail and you can tag butterflies in your own backyard and it's just your family. You don't have to go to a big event for those kind of things. And that's really what this is. As somebody that works at a park and is an educator... I would be happy, you know, to have a family that came in and said, you know what, we recorded all these flowers in our backyard or we found these this many bugs in our backyard because even that kind of information can help. Although it's not going to my any research that I'm doing, it's going to help me educate uh, more public on, on what is being seen. So, hey, you know what, right down the street, this family found these kind of things in their backyard and and that could, that could help out another family. I'm glad you mentioned the monarchs because that, I mean, I've tagged them before. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. to do. And that one really shows the importance of citizen science projects. Something else that I know I enjoy doing um, in the summertime, and I used to do this a lot as a child, is just 
look at the stars at night. We had a trampoline and we would just lay on the trampoline and just kind of look and see what we could find. I, I mean, I don't know constellations very well. I can name a couple, but that doesn't mean it's still not fascinating just to look up at the stars. And if you have a telescope, great, use it. If you don't, it doesn't matter. You can still just kind of um, look up. Because what I've noticed is even when you're just out laying, looking at the stars, you're taking in all other kinds of things. You might be hearing um, Katie Dids, which to me that's summer is when I hear Katie Dids. I love that sound. Um, you might be hearing crickets. You know, you might, depending on where you live, start to see some nocturnal wildlife move through. You might see bats or, you know, if you're lucky enough, hear an owl. So that's one thing where you're quiet and you're just laying there and everything else kind of comes alive around you. I enjoy the stars too. I, we teach a lot of star programs out of Sherman Woods with our indoor planetarium. So I really enjoy looking at the stars and, and talking about that with my kids and they've gotten into it. And when you look up at the stars, a lot of times you're like, holy cow, there's a lot of things up there and I can't. But when you really start, just like everything else, start looking at it closely, you can kind of pick out and remember. And there are certain constellations that are that are easy to find. You can always, you should be able to almost always find the Big Dipper. So the Big Dipper, how do you find it? How do you look for it? Search on the internet for a nice star chart. You can print one off on your computer that'll tell you the basic constellations, the ones you can see all year long. There's also quite a few apps that you can download on your phone that will tell you. And so we do that a lot now when we're out camping. The kids take the phone and they're like, what star is that? And sometimes it ends up being a planet and they, they get really excited. But once they, you know, and the funny thing is, is they're not on the phone the whole time. So they look at one and they're like, okay, so now that one connects to that one and that one connects to that one. And I encourage my kids to, to make their own pictures. So when I was growing up, it was always look out the window at the clouds. Um, for, for me and my children, I try to have them make their pictures out of, out of the stars. So we joke that uh, King Cepheus is um, really part of a soccer ball. He looks like he could be one of those five sections from a soccer ball. And we talk about how Lily, my daughter, who is such a great soccer player, kicks the ball so hard it gets stuck up in the sky. So we kind of play along with the constellation stories and, and, and just have fun with it. And it's all make-believe, Robinson make-believe, but it entertains us while we're out there. You kind of blew my mind with the Cepheus and the soccer ball. It totally is. <laughs> wow. So, and, and I'm telling you, there, there are five. You can, you can learn five, and they're all close to each other. And the cool thing about those five, they're called circumpolar constellations, if you want to be scientific. They all circle right around the North Pole, and they're visible all year long. All right, so I kind of forced you to talk about some of the things that I wanted to talk about oh, there fine. with all of these. So I wanted to see, you know, what are some things that you want to talk about now? I'll stop being selfish and I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> it's okay to be selfish because, you know, a lot of the, those are great things. And we do that obviously with our own kids all the time. Some of the things that I would encourage again, and, and really the best part is, is these are things that you can do right outside in your backyard, magnifying glass, get a magnifying glass. You can buy them for almost under a dollar, probably at the dollar store and a net, a little bug net and just catch things, catch some butterflies, catch some, some even flies. Have the kids chase around the flies in the backyard if you need to. I would say one of my, the fun things that I enjoy doing with the kids is making uh, fairy houses or gnome homes, depending on if I'm 
working with my sons or my daughters and what their preferences are. But you can just get so creative with nothing but sticks and leaves and nuts and rocks. And we don't buy anything fancy because trust me, they have everything fancy out there nowadays that you can buy, but you can make everything. So with a little bit, of, we used pipe cleaners and some sticks and made the best ferry bridge out there. Um, we're also big fossil hunters. So I enjoy looking for fossils and, and, and searching for them in the creeks. We don't have a creek in our backyard, so we do end up venturing out to parks to do, to do that. But what is cool about Cincinnati is that our foundation, our bedrock, all the rocks have fossils in them. So anywhere you go that has exposed rocks, you can, you can find fossils. And again, just simply do a little search on the internet, stop in, heck, stop in at Sharon Center and say, hey, can I have a printout of your fossil sheet? I'll, I'll be happy to give you one. And they're simple. They're simple to find. And once you kind of, you know, again, go with that five, that's always my magic number. That's why I have five kids, I think. <laughs> uh, but learn those five main fossils and just have fun with it. Just go explore and see how many you can find. And something cool about, you know, again, growing up in Cincinnati, um, at my grandparents' house, you know, they had this massive retaining wall. And if you don't have a retaining wall in your yard, chances are a neighbor somewhere nearby does. And all of these retaining walls are filled with fossils. So sometimes you don't even have to go into a creek to find them. You can just look at your retaining wall. And it was a long time. And I mean, I was an adult until somebody kind of said, you know, this is not natural. Like almost nowhere else in the world can you just go out and find 450, 500 million year old fossils just laying around or in your retaining wall over your driveway. I mean, that's an amazing thing. And that's why I'll give a shout out to Cincinnati for that, because, you know, Cincinnati is known worldwide for our fossils. So if you go across the country or across the, the continent or the, the earth and you go to a museum of natural history, they're going to have a section that's going to name Cincinnati because there's even a period in time named after Cincinnati because of all the fossils that you can find here. We've discussed now a lot of a lot of different um, activities, and this really is a short list. I mean, there's there's just so many things that you can do with your kids outside. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about why it's so important for kids to be outside, and really not just kids, but anybody, everybody. I mean, there's you know you can find study after study that shows the benefits of the the human brain being out in nature. Um, so I kind of want to ask then like what, you know, the more time you spend outside with your kids, do you see a change in them after they've had time outside? I do, especially with the ages that they are. They, they, they do try to watch TV. They try to be on their devices. And in some cases they do learn a lot from those things, but it's just, it's just that downtime and that creative time. I, the thing I notice the most is also energy. But the more my kids are inside and the more that they are on devices, you can tell they've got pent up energy that they, it just, they, they themselves, even though they're sitting on the couch or sitting on a chair, you don't see it. But if you tell them to get off and they get off, they don't know what to do. They're, you know, they, they get nervous because they, they want to be doing something. But when you put them outside, they just keep going and you don't have to tell them to stop. Well, sometimes I have to tell them, you know, hey, come on, it's it's bedtime. But it, 
it just amazes me how much it wears them out that much faster to be outside and moving around. They're using, they're being physical. They're, they're up and exercising without even knowing. And most of the time, they're not complaining about it. Yeah, you know, I've, I find with my kids, like there's days where I'm just just drained and all you want to do is just like, oh, I just want to sit inside. And kind of if you do that all day, at the end of the day, you're like, I wasted this. This was just wasted time. Like I'm thinking I need to relax. It's like, well, that's kind of the opposite. You know, and then there's the days when, you know, when my wife gets home from work sometimes, I'm like, we spent more time outside than inside today. Those are the days where we all go to bed like this was a great day and you're exhausted and it's a great you know, I've always felt that there's the, there's the days where you're mentally exhausted and those kind of, those are awful days. And then there's the days where you're physically exhausted and that physical exhaustion is, it's kind of a good feeling. I've always, kids have always amazed me because they're these chaotic beings that have this crazy need for structure. There's that weird juxtaposition, dichotomy, whatever you want to call it, I think. And so, you know, when you create these habits of, oh, you know, we watch TV a lot or I'm on the screen a lot. Well, then that children then start to like, that's their, that becomes their routine. That becomes their habit. And when you take that away, chaos ensues, you know? So it's not that they want that screen time. I don't think, I think that's just what their brain that becomes. I will tell you it is. And the, one of the interesting stories, my husband and I were discussing with one of the, the, he was 12 at the time um, about his classes that he was going to take in eighth grade and we, he's really into engineering and computers, and we wanted him to take this digital, digital media or some type of um, computer class as one of his electives. And he says, no, I really want to do gym. And, and upon a con, in talking to him, he finally came up, we're like, really? Because he's, of all of our kids, he's the one that doesn't want to play any sports. He's the one that wants to be on the devices. And it just really seemed odd to us that he was choosing gym class over this digital media class that we thought he would benefit from. And he said, you know what? I stare at a computer at every single class. He goes, I want to take a class that I don't have to look at a computer. And my husband and I both looked at each other and went, gym it is. Yeah, that's a pretty mature response for a 12 year old. So, to, yes, I thought so too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, when you create those habits of just getting outside, that becomes, that can become the new routine. Exactly. We've mentioned a lot of different ideas and I kind of want to put some of these into action. So Tom and I are going to take it outdoors and I'm going to see if I can get Tom to climb a tree. Tom, we are at Winton Woods but this is the, it's the Warren Wells Preserve. So it's a part of Winton Woods. Warren Wells was the first naturalist um, for the, at the time, Hamilton County Park District, now Great Parks, Hamilton County. And it's, I mean, it's really, you know, about as pristine of nature, I think, that, you know, as you get in, in Hamilton County. Real nice creeks, there's a, um, you know, great diversity of trees, there's, it's a great understory. There's not, you know, honeysuckle has been controlled here pretty well. Um, it's just a really pretty place to come and really just, you know, enjoy nature. I mean, you can hear how quiet it is. Well, I, I mean, I, I mean I'm quiet. here. Well, There's red-bellied woodpeckers. I, I mean, I'm here in nature, but I mean, as far as all the ambient sound, like we're not far from. You know what we haven't heard today, <gasps> Paul? No trains. No trains. 
<laughs> no train. So, okay, fingers crossed that it stays that way. Watch it, we, all of a sudden we hear, <laughs> We're out here today and we're just gonna kind of explore, Tom. That's why I brought you here. We just wanna explore. We're gonna walk up the creek, see if we can find a tree to climb. Um, just kind of go back to, for us, it's not really going back to our childhood because this is stuff that we do all the time. <laughs> but there's still a, a sense of being a child. It's relaxing, it's, it clears your mind, it's fresh air, get dirty. I got in trouble when I was in um, middle school. We, we went to a creek. I actually, that was one of my first, um, I don't, maybe if it wasn't my first, interaction with a naturalist but it was one of my most like i actually remember it you know and uh it, it had a bit of an influence on me so uh we went to a park I, I don't remember the park i don't remember the forest and um we were this naturalist was leading us and i remember he um he got some like wild onion and he ate it and I was like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. And he just seemed to know like so much about the forest. And I was like, wow, this, this guy's pretty cool. Um, so I thought that was pretty neat. And then we went out to a creek. And this creek, like, if you went to the deep part, it was like up to here on me, like my waist. waist. And uh, we weren't supposed to go to the deep part. But there was a frog. Like there was a, green, or there was a bullfrog or something down at the end of this creek. And I was that kid that couldn't help himself, who didn't listen to the adult. And I went over there and I tried to catch it. I didn't catch it. But oh, my teachers were angry at me. They, you could have completely ruined this creaking hike and all this. I was like, oh my goodness. And now I am one of those adults telling. Yeah, now I'm the way you. Everybody stick together. Don't, don't go past your knees. Comes full circle, Paul. It's funny how a lot of those memories kind of like simple memories but they can really stick out I've always struggled yeah, to, to find like a term yeah, for those kind of memories it, it, nothing really like nothing amazing like you know I didn't catch the frog and showed it like it was just like kind of an average day but it it's it's buried right in in my brain exactly why I, I do not know yeah I remember I was in or seventh grade and a, a friend of mine who I consider a mentor he took me long story but essentially we just ended up walking around this parking lot flipping over you know landscape timbers and you know I mean this is in the middle of the suburb just this parking lot but that's when I learned you know the symbiotic relationship between ants and aphids and it was just this simple probably 45 minute walk around this parking lot looking at what we could still find and that still has it it left a very lasting mark on me yeah you know? and it was just this random time it's not like we even like hey let's go for a hike and we ended up in a parking lot it was like we were just waiting for people and so i was like well let's just start walking around while we're waiting and it became a memory that i now talk about yeah. 25 years later yeah it's pretty the way that the way that happens uh, and i don't even know if he remembers that <laughs> but i do A lot of night crawlers. 
That's about it, really. Is this a glacial erratic right here? Ah. Kind of looks like one, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of neat. It's like a, um, well, I was over at Envision Cinemas and they have like these mini bowling alleys and the, this rock is like the exact size of the bowling balls that they have there. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. So, when you were a kid, how old were you when you came to the States? Uh, I was eight. Eight. So when you were a kid, when you first got here, what was your favorite thing to do in the woods? Well, I tell kids, I, I've, I've actually told kids at schools this, is um, when I first came to, I mean, where I'm from, we had, you know, like me and my cousin, we would do snail races, and I'd find caterpillars and ladybugs, but, you know, we moved to Cincinnati and we heard about massive, you know, 200 pound deer and um, coyotes. And I, when I was in Britain, I just heard about America in general. I didn't really think about Cincinnati, but I was, you know, I had the thoughts of alligator and buffalo and just all these big creatures that uh, aren't where I'm from. And I just thought it was so cool. Should we go up in there? Yeah, that looks kind of neat. There's a lot of rocks. Can we, yeah. can we cross without? Um, but one thing I noticed when I first came here was the fossils. I like, I saw these fossils in my backyard and I thought they were so cool and I started collecting them and I started to learn a little bit about them and you know, we uh, went to the Cincinnati Museum Center and learned about the Cincinnati fossils and I just thought they were really neat and that's kind of what um, part like that kind of sparked my interest in in you know the natural history of Ohio. Did you ever read the Once and Future King? No. So it's T.H. It White. Um, it's about King Arthur. Oh. Okay. So when King Arthur's young, you know, he meets Merlin, and Merlin teaches him about nature by turning him into. The things which that's the, the movie does that right he turns him into a squirrel into a fish and in the book he turns him into an ant and a bunch of stuff and I've always like would just love to especially in a creek just turn into something small that could just swim <laughs> around and see like go under these rocks and just see what's down there and just explore from the that you know from that viewpoint first yeah that real close I don't feel like we get like a first-person point of view necessarily when we look in a creek. Like we're still all right. Well, you know, and removed that. My daughter is very proud of her present that my parents got her when they went to Charlottesville. They got her some Toy Story water goggles. I should have brought them here for you, Paul. You could have put your head <laughs> under the creek and be one with the be one with the frogs. <laughs> um, there's a neat deer print right there. That's kind of cool. Deer track. That's that's pretty fun. I, I don't know what kind of sparked your uh, you know I I know you're you're you've been a coal rain enough uh, for pretty much your entire <laughs> oh, look life. Oh at this dude! Right? What is this? What in the world is this? The big larvae. Now this is a big larvae. I have no idea, Paul. Look at him. He's like 
Look at his face. That's the bottom. There, that's the top. So this is a big larvae. It's about, I don't know what you say. An inch? An inch long. A, but he can kind of spread out to be... Like an inch and a half? Like an inch and a half, but he's... Oh, okay, so that's his tail then. Hmm. His, uh, he looks like he... Uh, what's that look like? Like a... He's got four appendages sticking out of his tail. Yeah, I, I have no idea what he is, Paul. Take a picture, picture of that. That'd be good. To... He's on the move. He wants to get away from you. Yeah, he does. I'll put him back here. But that's, <laughs> I've never seen that before. Um, yeah, you know, I grew up in in Cincinnati and Coleraine. And I just, I, I always had access to woods. It's like, you know, wherever we lived, um, there's always a lot of woods that I just go out and spend the day exploring. And so I, I think for me, it, it wasn't necessarily always like a lot of people are like, oh, I went to, like you said, you know, I saw like all these fossils or, you know, and there's a lot of those stories. And I don't, I don't feel like I have that story of like this one thing that really like piqued my interest. Oh, okay. It's more of just a, the feeling that I had of always being outside. I see. It's just, I, you know, want to keep that feeling as an adult and I want other kids to experience that as well. And I don't know, it's just, it's, you never know what you're gonna find. Like you lift a, that's why we're lifting up rocks. Like if we knew, well, I'm gonna lift this rock up and it's gonna be this, would we do it? Like sometimes it's not about like, oh, I really want to find this. It's just I want to see what's under here. I want to. And so when you go out, you just you never know if you're gonna find that perfect rock with all this stuff under, or this perfect tree to climb, or the. Or a random bottle from 1943. Exactly. Um, yeah, I just always... Kind of interesting when you said you always had access to the forest and that being part of the reason why, you know, part of the reason, uh, an influence of, of why you're an nationalist. Because um, I know when I did first move over here, I actually, you know, we, we went to an apartment complex. And I, you know, as a nine, ten-year-old kid, you kind of get the urge to just explore and such but I didn't there wasn't really a whole lot of natural area so I'd end up uh, exploring like the um, the shops uh, and 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 like going to stores and just like exploring around the park and lots so I think you know a lot of kids have that urge to explore and um, search around but if they don't have access to the um, you know, the forest, and maybe that could be a, you know, uh, a, a barrier to, to enjoying nature later in life, too. Yeah, you know, the quote that I started the podcast with was from Rachel Carson. She talks about the inborn sense of wonder that kids have, and then how we need to nurture that. Yeah, and yeah, kids naturally want to explore, and I and that's one cool thing about Cincinnati is, especially if you're, you know, from here and you grew up here, we don't always, or we take for granted how much green space we have here. Yeah. I mean, no matter where you are in the county or in the city, you're not far at all from a park. And even really, if you're not far from a park, like, I mean, there's a parking lot to, <laughs> to explore that has... You know, if there's something that's been sitting there a while, lift it up. There's probably something under there. You know, there's always going to be bugs in trees and things. I, you know, you're you're never apart from nature. 
found one. Not a four-lane salamander, but a, uh, a two-lane salamander. So how, how fun. Oh yeah. There he is. This, uh, this little whoa, little baby. Talking about getting dirty. <laughs> uh, whoa! <laughs> He's quick. You know what's funny is um, I drop everything. Like I just have the worst uh, hand-eye coordination ever. But I'm usually pretty good at you know having critters not not <laughs> fall to their demise in my in my hands. So look at that. Isn't that neat? Two-line salamanders are pretty. They're common. They're common in Hamilton County. They're not hard to find at all. They have two, I don't know, what color would you like this? Yellowish, greenish? <sighs> and then yeah, they've got these like two black lines on their body. Yeah. So they're not real showy by any means. Um, I mean, even now, just on Tom's hand, his Tom, his, his hand is muddy. I mean, he's, the salamander still blends in pretty well even. It's pretty he's good like at jumping. jumping. I've never yeah. seen a salamander like hop like that. I think it's because he's so small. He needs to. He needs to get away. This yeah. thing's gonna eat him. He's gonna. This thing. This human's gonna eat me up for dinner time or breakfast. Um, you know what's cool though? Even though it's common, like if I find a salamander when I'm doing a creek hike, uh, parents and kids they're like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, like it's a. It's a pretty big cool factor to actually find a a proper salamander in the forest. You know, uh, it's. It would be cool to find a um, a hellbender or a mud puppy. That's definitely on my nature bucket list. I think we should go up this way. What do you think? I kind of want to walk on that tree up there. We can do that. Is that down tree that's just kind of asking to be walked? Is that, a, is that a? It kind of looks like a hackberry from back here. Right? I don't know though. I don't know. Let's go find out. And here's something I kind of want to point out. So we are. I mean, we're back in the woods, so we're away from any edges. And one thing that parents can kind of worry about, and rightfully so, is poison ivy. The thing about poison ivy, though, is it, it likes disturbed areas. It likes those edges. So oftentimes, when you get further into the woods, the chance of seeing poison ivy decreases. Mm -hmm. So, like, right now, so, you know, we're, I see a ton of just nice native plants that are surrounding us but I don't see any poison ivy anywhere close to here nope and so you know as a parent if you're worried about that well just move further into the woods get past that edge there's jewelweed um, right there some jewelweed and, and I mean that's when you're gonna see more there's gonna be more fun exploring and you, you don't have to worry about poison ivy and this right down here would like make an awesome place for a fort yes it would like it goes there's just a little ravine that tree down tree over top of it all right so Paul is gonna make me relive my childhood memory of crashing down through a forest I hope Great Parks has a good uh, workers comp policy oh I'm gonna I don't know I'm gonna put really rude messages on Paul's car when he's <laughs> when he's sleeping do you ever watch um, Dead Poet Society yes yes you know, the part where they stand up on the desk. Yeah. You want to get a different view. Yeah. That's what this is. You're, I mean, this is a, a, it's a massive oak that fell pretty recently because there's leaves still on it. I'm assuming just from all the rain, the roots gave out. And but it's, it fell, but it fell kind of on the hillside. So we are, I don't know, 
six or seven feet off the ground. I'd say we're about 25. 25, 25 feet off the ground. 25, yeah. 30, somewhere around that. And uh, we're just sitting here and... Looking at this dead ash tree that we were walking underneath. Yeah, you get a different perspective on the, the forest. Uh, yeah, that's true. I'm complaining, but it is. It's, it's, it's neat that Paul made me come up here. Because um, I feel like, you know, sometimes... If you want your kids to enjoy nature, if you want to get them out and enjoy nature, you kind of got to be a kid yourself. I wouldn't know much about them. that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tom has no idea what it's like <laughs> to be a kid anymore, right? <laughs> you know, climb the tree yourself, get a little muddy in the creek if you have to. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, we just flew by. In the middle of the forest, which you don't really think of too yeah. often, but um, I know we like to give them the sugary treats, but that's more of a... That's like Gatorade for them, right, Paul? Yeah. Uh, the, the, they get a lot of the true nutrients from the insects that they eat. Yeah, they, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I've always found so funny is, I mean, their nests are tiny. I've only ever like found one nest in nature, and it's because I happened to see the hummingbird fly to it. And even when the hummingbird was sitting on the nest, I could still barely see the nest. They're so small, their eggs are so tiny, but they make their nests out of lichen, and they'll kind of sew it together in a sense with, um, the spider webs and so I just find it so interesting that they will eat they can eat the spider and then take the spider web <laughs> to make their nest but just they say, have just completely I'm gonna eat you and then I'm gonna destroy your house and maybe just... not even in that order I might destroy your house first and then eat you sit I I managed to go this entire time without saying a Game of Thrones that <laughs> reference but you come on now that's it's over. Uh, you, you it's put, over. Yeah, but I mean, you put the cake in front of my face. <laughs> like, how do I not? <laughs> oh. um, All right, what's your reference? I, I, honestly, I, all I can think of is, is it sounds like something from Game yeah, of Thrones. Okay. So I didn't even have a, uh, I, I, it just, it just, I didn't even think of any, like, it wasn't in my mind just at the all. the brutality of it all. And, and, makes and, you think of Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Well, you, you know what? Maybe it was because I, I do see a lot of spider webs uh, on these trees. So maybe it was collecting uh, for its for its nest. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, you wanna? Uh, there we go. So shall we follow the creek a little bit down that down this sure. way? Yeah. Let's go down this way a little. Oh my! Is that a long tail salamander? Am I right? Yeah, so this guy was, yeah, see, he's about five, five inches long, um, this yellow, yellow color pushing orange with small black spots all over him. Long-tailed salamander. I, I don't know that one, and now I do. So we saw a couple of those larvae. I don't know if that's some type of beetle. I'm assuming it's some type of aquatic beetle, maybe. I guess. I we know. saw quite a few two-line salamanders. Saw the long-tailed salamander. Bunch of earthworms. Crayfish. The orb weavers. Or a bunch of orb weavers right in my face. Um, hummingbird. Saw the hummingbird. That was kind of cool that was seeing him. Because we see hummingbirds in the backyard, but we don't see them just kind of hovering through the woods. Yeah, in nature, neat. like in the, in the forest. That was neat. I, I, yeah, that's, that's not something I see very often, so that was pretty cool. One other thing about, especially where we live in Hamilton County, and you know, in some ways we kind of live in some of the most benign 
forests in the world. No copper heads. I mean, there's, yeah, like, you know, venomous snakes you don't have to worry about. Um, most mammals you don't really have to worry about. Black bears. <laughs> right, you know, bears and wolves don't live here anymore. Um, I, mean, I wish they did, but they don't. Um, but, you know, you can go out safely into the woods and probably your worst enemy is a mosquito. Yeah, um, which is a pretty know, bad I mean, enemy to have, but you're going to have it everywhere. I mean, in the end, it's more of an annoyance than anything. You know, you got to check for ticks, but you're okay, like, coming out. And so if your kids want to explore, you know, let them explore. Folks, that is our show for today. I hope we gave you some good ideas on what to do with your kids outside and how to get them connected to nature. And I hope uh, you can make some lasting memories along the way. So let us know what you and your kids find on your explorations by posting it on our social media with hashtag greatparks. For more information on Winton Woods and the rest of our parks and information on our upcoming programs and events, head over to greatparks.org. Thank you, Julie, for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me out. And just side note, just remember, if you want to stop into the Sharon Center and ask for some help on anything with your kids outside, I'd be happy to happy to assist or throw out some more ideas. And of course, thank you, listener, for joining us today on Take It Outdoors, a podcast where you can enjoy the outdoors from the indoors. Check back next month for our next episode. And until then, I am Paul Sievers. Get outside. Enjoy nature.